It's interesting, the last few days, two words have been coming up in my life a lot, uh, both inside as well as outside. The first one is simplicity, and the second one is journaling. And I've heard these words from people outside, both initiates, non-initiates, just people in the general run of the day that really they don't know what I do and I have no idea necessarily what they're doing in their lives. And I've also heard them inside. So I thought I would bring them forward in the conversation tonight and share a little bit about these and see if I can bring more forward some clarity about both the word simplicity and and being simple as well as about journaling. You know, I've often said throughout the years that God is very simple and spirit is very simple. And this path of meditation and initiation is very simple. And yet when people hear that, they wonder, what do I really mean by simple? How is it simple? What is it that is simple? When I sit down, they say often, I begin to meditate. I don't find it to be simple. I find it to be complicated. It seems to be much more complicated than simple as I begin to close my eyes and go inside and begin to to deal whatever is in there. And the key to anything in finding that simplicity is to ever rise above the complexities of the world. Meditation is really an action of discovering simplicity, of finding that place where simplicity resides first within yourself, within your beingness, and then to move with that simplicity into the fullness of itself. And in that way, you will eventually find yourself moving into where that simple energy, that simple beingness came from originally, which is God. But it takes time to unfold. It takes time to get in touch with that simple place inside. And so as I was sitting here in meditation, uh, as Brian was taking us in, I began to hear over and over, instead of chanting the name of God inside, that we get an, an initiation, I kept hearing, as I was beginning to chant the name, another voice outside coming in going, simple, 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 simple. And I kept trying to get away from that and just focus on the name and hold to that because that's what I usually do to get focused in my meditation and to take me to that place of simplicity. It just kept getting louder and louder until it overtook anything else that was going on in my consciousness. And as I saw and felt and went through this process, I began to realize that even chanting the name of God distracts me from simplicity. I'm so focused on something that I'm not allowing myself to go into that simple place as easily as one might be able to go into it. And so I stopped chanting and I just began to listen to this other voice, this sound, saying simple, simple, simple. And it began to go deep inside. But as it did, it met with the mind. And I realized that the mind was still chattering and going on and on and on. And I began to focus on the mind. 
the mind enjoyed that. The mind said, oh, you're back. Oh, well, and it just started going, you know. It started thinking and telling me about this, and we got to focus on this, and what about that? And all of a sudden I realized how easy it is to get caught up, even with our eyes closed, in the complexities of life, in the complexities of the day, in the complexities of ourselves. So as I moved on down following this little simple thread in my consciousness as it began to move through the mind. It began to go into the emotions and I began to feel all my emotions stirring and moving and running. And all of a sudden I could feel the things of the day that had been going on, the the joyful things, the mournful things, the problem things, and how I had reacted and responded with my emotions. And all of a sudden, as I was doing that, I began to realize that I was just reminiscing through my emotions. I was reminiscing the day. And I thought, oh my God, you know, how often do I do this, reminiscing? Just sitting here and going, well, this happened and this is what it felt like and what do I do with this feeling and what is this feeling and why do I still have this feeling? I thought I got rid of this feeling. And just going through this reminiscing energy. And then the thread moved on through the emotions and down into the body consciousness. I thought, well, there it'll get simple. You know, there's not a lot in the body, I'm sure, to distract me. And my knee was hurting and my finger was hurting and my neck started aching. And then I started having a little itch here and there. And and all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, you know, my body's at it too. There's no simplicity here. It's, It's all these different things going on and distracting me. I began to look and see how through my body, through my emotions, through my mind, I am ever dealing with these complex things of the physical nature and how much of it is a reminiscing of the day. So I began to look at the mind once again and I began to hear the conversation that had been going on during the early morning. And as I was listening to the conversation, my mind went, you know, it would have been better if you had said it this way. Now, have you ever had a conversation with somebody or an argument, and then you walk away and you go, oh, darn, I should have said this. That would have answered it. Then they would have shut up, or they would have known I knew what I was talking about. Have you ever had that go on? Well, that goes on consciously or unconsciously in us all the time. It is ever running in the mind. And I began to look once again at the feelings and at the body and realizing that they each have their own mind energy, their own quality of mind, if you will, running. It may not be mind as we think of it as the intellectual mind, but there's also the emotional mind and the physical mind. Remember that in each realm, there are different levels of consciousness. So in the physical realm, in the astral, in the causal, and so on, we have these different levels. We have in the physical realm, the physical, astral, causal, mental, etheric, and soul level. In the astral, we have astral, causal, mental, etheric, soul, and so on, all the way up. We don't have the physical except in the physical level. But all the way up, we have these others going up. And there is the mental, the mind, the mind energy in each one of those. And it is at that level within each of the realms that the mind of that realm exists. 
And I realized as I was sitting there how often I stop in the mind level of a particular realm within my own consciousness and dwell there in the mind of myself at that level, whether it be the mind of the mind, the mind of the emotions, the mind of the creative imagination, the mind of the body. I began to look at that and I began to listen to the mind of each one of these levels. And I realized something quite interesting. There are different levels of the mind speaking to us at all times. And it's ever pulling on us and ever distracting us and causing us to, in a sense, diffuse our energy. We're ever dispersing ourselves rather than collecting and bringing ourselves together. These different mind qualities of these different realms are ever moving our energy in different directions and distracting us from the center of who we really are. And yet here we are seated quietly in a room and we have our eyes closed. Hopefully we've turned off the phone, we've turned off the music, we've told everybody to leave us alone for whatever time we ask them to leave us alone. And it's quiet. And we sit down and we close our eyes with a wonderful intention. I'm going to come into the oneness with God now. I'm going to share my love with God and I'm going to open and be vulnerable in the receiving of God's love. And we sit there and for the first moment that intention is alive in us and our focus is focused well on that intention to go to God, to get back to God, to merge into God and to let God merge into us at these levels so that we begin to live more in the oneness of the God within. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We forget about what we're there for. We forget about we're meditating. We forget about putting God first. Because all of a sudden, one of these minds, at one of these levels, have kicked in and are starting to distract us and call us away from our intention of putting God first. You know, God asked, that we put God first before all things and have no other gods before God. Have God first. For sure, in our prayers and our meditation, that is one place where we want to have that intention, to have God first. But it's interesting. All those other things that we have placed energy on that tend to be God first in certain areas of our lives also come up and go, well, wait a minute, I thought I was God first. And over here it goes, well, no, no, I'm God first. What are you talking about? And so at the emotional level, there's a God first there. In the mind level, there's a God first there. In the body level, there's a God first there. The creative imagination, there's a God first. In the unconscious, there's a God first. Well, what God do I put first? Well, you're going to more than likely put the God first that is most present in your life at that time, whether it be the mind, the emotion, or whatever it might be. And more than likely, you're going to find that it's easy to put one of those other gods before the true God because you're familiar with it. You live with it day in and day out. It's ever there. It's ever distracting you. or not. Actually, it's just before you. It's not distracting you, even though it really is distracting you. And... The key I found as I was sitting here and I heard is that many 
people do not yet know the Lord God, the true God, the true God that asks that you have no other gods before God. And so, because they do not know that true nature of God, that true nature of loving, that true nature of spirit, that true nature of simplicity, they allow themselves to then gravitate back into those other gods within their consciousness that they're familiar with, that are always calling at them, distracting, pulling, demanding, needing. So it's very easy in our meditation to be pulled away. So as I was sitting there and I was looking at that and I could just feel myself being pulled away from my center, from myself, from my focus on God first. And I could really feel God was somewhere right now, but all these other gods were before that God. And I really could not see the Lord God in front of me. I could not see the light. I could not hear the sound. I could not hold my focus on loving God. Because all these other things now were calling me, demanding of me. No, me first. No, me first. Well, what about me? Well, you haven't taken care of me yet. As I sat there and I began to listen to all this, I realized how easy it is to have all these other things become God first. And how easy it is to lose sight of the true Lord in our lives. And so I looked at that and I said, so what's the solution? What's the answer here? If it's so easy to have all these other things become God first. And it's so easy to get distracted from what I really sat down to do. My intention was to close my eyes, to hold my focus at the seat of the soul, at the spiritual eye, and to share my loving with God and to let God share God's love with me and to merge into the oneness and the loving there. How do I do that? And how do I share with others to truly do that? And all of a sudden, as I was listening to myself asking, begging for an answer, I heard this voice once again going, simple, 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 simple. My first response was, yeah, it's simple for you. (laughs) But then I thought, no, 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 it's saying simple. It is simple. It's to focus on that that is simple and not get caught up in all these complexities, all these distractions, all these different levels and the minds of these levels calling and pulling at me. And so I said, so what is it then that is simple enough for me that I can hold my focus on that which you're calling simple so that I am not pulled away and distracted from that? And they said, first, hold your focus to that place that you are told about being simple, where that simple place resides within you, at the seat of the soul, at the spiritual eye. And just hold your attention there. And when you find yourself distracted by all these other things in your life, all these other minds calling upon you, all these other gods demanding of you, just begin to say to each one of them, simple, simple, I'm doing simple. And it will not know how to join with you. It will not know how to distract you. 
if you keep holding to that which is simple. They also said that another level of that is to chant the hue or the anti-hue or the names of God and hold to that and realize that in the center of those names, those sacred names of God, is the seed of simplicity, is the seed by which you can connect into that which is God's self, which is simple. God is simple. God is the simplest of all being because God is loving. So as you begin to rise up, Above all that is of the physical nature, you will begin to feel, to know, to see, to hear simplicity, the simple way, the simple truth. And it is once you have begun to feel, to see, to hear, to know that simple way that you then have a reference point. And until you connect into that place of simplicity, It's up to each of us who really want to go inside in meditation and discover that path of God to hold an intention to get to that place of simplicity. It is to hold intention. How did we get through school? How did we get through life to this point? Somehow we set an intention to make it through the day, to make it through this next hour, to make it through whatever situation is present in our lives. I know I can get through this. I know I'm going to make it. I just have to hold and get through this. That may not have been the wording, but somewhere inside of you, you set an intention and you made your way through it. I can remember when I had cancer and I realized it was important for me to get this body healthy and well once again to stay here. I had to set an intention. I didn't call it that at the time, but I set an intention to take care of this body and to get it well, whatever it took. And I went through the radiation, I went through the chemotherapy, I went through all that to get the body healthy. And that was the intention. And the more I held that intention, the easier it was to move through those things. But the moment I lost sight of my intention and I focused on the pain of the chemotherapy or the disturbance and the mental grief that I was going through about having cancer and having to go through all these things or the emotions of the fear of, oh, am I going to die? Is this chemotherapy going to kill me? You know, and all of that going on at the mental, emotional level. I lost sight of my simplicity and I lost sight of my intention and my body became sick. Everything was a challenge. Everything was hard. Nothing was easy. But the moment I regrouped and regained my intention, my intention was health and well-being and living beyond the cancer and living beyond the treatments to get well and moving in that direction, it all came together again and it got quiet and simple and I could just walk through the events without a lot of reaction, but ever moving forward knowing that All you had to do was take the next step, the next step, the next step. So as I was sitting here in meditation, I went over through that and realized that in that process, in my 20s, I learned a lot about setting an intention. And with that intention set, it was very easy then for me to move through an event very 
dramatic in my life and make it less dramatic and simple and easy. And I found that simple way through my cancer and my healing. And I saw then how it's the same way with our meditation. In our meditation, it's to ever hold to the intention, God first, God first, have no other gods before me, the Lord thy God. And to realize that all these other things that come up in meditation are the gods of this creation, the gods of this world, the gods inside of you that are trying to keep powerful, trying to have power over you, have power over the Lord and be God first in your life. And I looked and I saw, boy, there are days where my mind is really God first. And there are times when it's my body and there are times when it's my emotions. And it just goes all over the place. So I heard inside one of my teachers say, so what are you talking about there? What is it like to have God first in your body? And I went, well, you know, the pains and all that. And he says, no, there's more than that. It gets real basic. What is the basic? And I kept naming all these things and I went, oh, it's food, isn't it? And he goes, it's food, isn't it? And I go, God, I want God first. I don't want food to be God first. And all of a sudden I felt this animal instinctual nature rise up inside of me that wants to be sure that it's always got food. It's always eating. It's always nurtured at that food level. And I realized that beyond all these other things, there's another part of ourselves that we have to deal with. And that is that animal instinctual nature, that very basic core of the physical consciousness. You have to realize that through the process of evolution, our soul has gone through the realms and experienced all different life forms through the etheric into the mineral kingdom, into the plant kingdom, into the animal kingdom. And in all of that, there is experience that we at a very basic level have had and still hold. In us today, in these human physical forms, these are animal nature. This is the animal that lives in this world. It's just an evolved animal. And it is the soul that sits in the animal to have experience here through this animal nature. The very core of the animal nature is an instinctual nature that we have lost sight of, that we do not really understand anymore because the mind, the emotions have become a distraction and have pulled us away from being able to live in that instinctual understanding of self. You know, there's a saying that it's best to always pay attention to that first impression of a person. Well, in that first impression is the thread of the instinctual nature that tells you, is this person safe or not? Is this person trustworthy or not? Is this person true or not? Is this person being vulnerable with me or not? And yet we have lost sight of that truth, of the animal instinctual nature that tells us that. We begin then to put other things on top of that and life becomes more complex. So I also found 
that at the very base of the animal nature is a seed of simplicity in the world. And that is in the instinctual nature. So I found that if I can just hold that thread of simplicity inside of myself, I can begin to let go of all these other gods that distract me. I let go of all of them and put God first. And it's ever holding to the intention of that. And that is the challenge. That is the challenge. And yet, that is also the way of liberation. It's putting God first and letting that intention live in you more than anything else. Now, one thing that you will find, if you will hold your intention here and let that intention be, God, I love you and I'm open to receive your loving and not have any other intention but sharing your love with God and receiving God's love, you will find that you will wake up to a place of simplicity inside of yourself that will begin to open and open and open and open, and you will move very quickly into those realms of spirit where simplicity and love reside. And you will find that it will be very easy if you hold to a point of intention to rise above all these other elements of self, from the instinctual self through all these other realms of self and ever rise up to the God inside of you first. Remember, the first place we find God is here at the seat of the soul where the soul does dwell. That divine spark that resides in us, that is truly the spirit of us, is the Lord. God created and out of God came all things, including us us the soul. And so the first thing we want to do is realize that we're going to wake up to God here first. And so we want to hold our intention here first and wake up to God and not have anything before God at this level of our being. Now, I can remember when I sat down to begin meditating years ago, I got very discouraged with my meditation For two reasons. One, when I would set an intention and I would begin to go inside to find the Lord, all I found was darkness. I couldn't see God. Well, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to set my intention, and God's going to be right there, and it's just going to be that simple. Well, I didn't find God that quick at that level. I found darkness first. As I sat there, I began to find myself getting discouraged day in and day out, not seeing, not hearing, not experiencing, and wondering, well, what is this all about? If I'm meditating and if I'm really setting an attention on God, where are you, God? Why aren't you showing up? Why am I not seeing you? Why am I not hearing you? Why am I not experiencing something? Why am I in this just as quiet and nothing else? And all of a sudden I realized that in the quiet, And in the nothingness is where I was going to find God. It was first in that quiet and in the nothingness that I had to move into. That was the beginning of moving into that simple place, that simplicity. And so as I began to realize that and relax into that first space of simplicity, there was a flash of light. And I went, oh, well... For me, I always find that when I'm meditating 
And the moment I go, oh, my mind is now kicked in and it's going, what was that? Where'd that come from? How do I get that to happen again? Now my intention is not on God. It's on, oh, I want that experience again. Where did that come from? I've got to figure this out. How did I do that? So I found that the next thing for me to do was just to relax and to hold to that simplicity, not to get distracted once again and get caught back up in the mind level or into the emotional mind or into any other mind level of myself, but rather to stay simple, to stay neutral, to stay quiet, to not be active or reactive in this place of being with God, but just to be with God. And so I found the easiest way for me to do that was just to sit and say, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I am opening to receive your loving so that as I give, so shall I receive. And whatever there is that's blocking me in my receiving or in my giving, I just ask for your assistance, that your loving come and lift up any and all things that are between me and you, that I love you and you love me. And I live in the knowing of that, in the being of that, in the doing of that, in the experience of that. And I just am ever focusing on loving with God. And when I chant the name of God inside, I have the intention that every time I say the name of God inside, it's me loving God. And I'm just loving God and loving God and loving God. And when it comes quiet inside, I am now receiving from God. I'm listening. And as I'm listening, I hear the sound or I see the light of God come in. And that's God's love being shared with me. And I may feel it come in and move through my consciousness, or I may feel that love pull me all the way up and out into itself so that I live in the loving for that moment. Then all of a sudden, something happens and my body starts calling me back, or my emotions, or my mind, or I find myself all of a sudden distracted. Now here I was, I was loving God, and I'm receiving God's love, and I can feel this moving through, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm over here, I'm over there. And I'm going, how did I get over there when here was God? And here I was in this loving place, and now I'm over here thinking about my checkbook, or about this or that. Well, that's just the nature of the beast. Don't judge it. And don't sit there and try to figure it out. And don't sit there and dwell on, well, okay, why are you here? What's going on here? Just say, God bless you. God loves you. And put yourself back on God. Bring yourself back to the original intention of being in love with God and letting God be in love with you and live in the loving, live in the oneness. It's simplicity. Now, simplicity is a very wonderful thing to experience in the world. And I've had a lot of different reference points for simplicity in my life. And as I was sitting here in meditation, boy, I had an active meditation, didn't I? (laughs) But it was a good meditation. As I was sitting here and I said, well, what's my reference point? Because I'm always looking for a reference point. If I have a reference point for joy, for peace, for love, for gratitude, for simplicity, 
then all I have to do is go back to that reference point and it comes alive in my consciousness again and then I can hold to that. And so I said, well, where's my simplicity reference? What's, what's that? I went back to when I was in seventh grade. I was in junior high, now called middle school, I think. And I was given the opportunity, for whatever reason, to work in the office at the school. So I would go in in the morning, I'd go in early, and I'd begin working in the office, and I had different things I had to do in the office every day, including answering the phone, including making announcements over the intercom, if there was something to announce as homeroom started. So I had my morning, and then I also had one other period where I also worked in the office for that time. I think it was about 45 minutes or so. And then I worked for another hour at the end of the day in the office that they needed me. That was my life. It was enjoyable, it was complex, but it was a lot of fun. One of my things that I had to do, which was kind of a challenge at first, was the school had a new student, and he was blind. And it was for me to show him through the school, show him where his classrooms were, and help him learn his way around the school so that he would know where the cafeteria was, he would know where his different classes were, he would know where this was and that was. The first thing I did when I was told this, I turned to the teacher telling me that this was going to be my new assignment. I said, well, how do I teach somebody blind how to find these different places? And they said, well, we've never had a blind student here before. We don't know. And that's something you're going to find out for us. And I went, yeah, right. Thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> so I met him. We sat down and talked that first day when he came to school. So I began to tell him I was going to be showing him around and everything. And I kept finding myself because I'm very visual. I've always talked about seeing and showing and, and all of that. And here's this guy who's blind and he doesn't see and he doesn't understand, show me something. So it became a joke. He says, well, you'll see, I'll feel. And so that was a seeing and feeling group is what we called ourselves. We were the seers and the feelers. My challenge was, was to get him to homeroom, show him from coming in from where he was being dropped off, how to get into school, how to get to the homeroom, and then from homeroom to first and second and third and so forth, all of his different classes, different periods, where the lunchroom was and so on. He said, well, I, ha I have some tools. I know how to find my way around, but you just need to help me find my way around the first few days and weeks. So I said, okay, I'll help you find your way around, and you teach me how you do it, how you find your way around. So... What we would do is we'd meet an hour before school started for the first week every day and I would meet him at the parking lot and we would walk and we would count all the steps and we would count up the steps into the, the school and we would count the steps that it took to the first turn, count again and, until we got to the door of the homeroom and then he would go on in the homeroom and he would count to so many steps and turn and that would be his desk. We got all that down so we could get to the homeroom. And then after we got that down, and he was doing that without me having to kind of walk or be concerned, I mean, he had his cane, so he was making his way around very easily. It was just counting the steps and not getting distracted. Then it was on to the first period and learning where that was. 
I learned some very interesting things about feeling and how interesting it is to feel your way through space. And he could actually feel if a door was open. And so we made arrangements for the route that he was going to walk that the door on his right side, all the classrooms on that side of the hall would always be open. And that the doorways on the left side would be closed as much as possible so that he would be aware more of the wind currents coming from his right side. This was in the beginning when we were first learning. And so that way he could count each doorway as he was going down the hall till he got to his class and then he would go in rather than trying to count steps. And the reason being was, and I didn't realize this till after we actually started doing the day, that after the bell rings, there's all these students running around all over the place, you know, making noise and bumping into everybody and not paying attention to who's going down the hall, such as a blind man with his cane. And so he had to make his way through the crowd and ever be aware of the air currents coming out the door. As he began to feel that, then we began to open up both sides of the door before class started so he could begin to know his way through. And we did that because the doors varied and he was able to focus more than on the right side and know that he needed to turn in there or he'd focus on the left side and count the doors and then turn into his left if he needed to do that for that classroom. Well, I learned about simplicity from this man. He could walk down a hall full of students yelling and screaming and lockers slamming and people. I never realized how messy it is at a hall till I was with him trying to find our way through it. And yet he would just move through and move right on into the class and sit down. After we did this for six weeks, I said, how do you do this? How do you keep count? How do you stay from getting distracted by all this noise, all these students, people even talking to you? How do you do that? He says, I have a purpose. My purpose is to get from this classroom to that classroom, to get from this seat to that seat. And that's all I'm thinking about. That's all I'm holding in my mind is to get there. Well, that's intention. He had a clear intention. I'm going to get to my next class and nothing's getting in my way. Nobody's going to stop me. Nobody's going to call to me. And if they do, I'm not going to pay attention. I am just going to pay attention to what I need to pay attention to to get where I'm going. And I thought, oh my God, that's getting to God. And he answered everything for me in that moment when he said that about what it is to meditate. I'm not going to let anything get in my way. I'm not going to let anybody talk to me and stop me on my journey. I'm not going to let anything distract me from getting to God. I'm going to get to God first. And what does it say in the Bible? But seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be given to you. And it really is true. Put God first. Seek God first. Find God first. And then all else will be given. And I learned that from him. He would sit down in the classroom and then he would talk. He would talk to people if they wanted to talk. He would allow himself to get into conversation, into distraction of what was going on in the room, trying to pay attention to what was taking place. But until he sat down, his purpose was to get to that next class 
to get through that door and to get in his seat. And that's what meditation is. And so that reference point, once again, brought to me by Spirit tonight, gave me an understanding of simplicity and of intention. He called it purpose. I call it intention. Is to put God first and make that the place you're going to go and get to first. And once you get there, then whatever else happens, that's fine. But now you've got God. You know God. You're in that simplicity. Life was simple once he sat down in that chair. There was nothing else for him to do but wait until the teacher started talking. Then my next challenge with him came up. And that was that one of the things I did at school was I was the one who ran all the exams, all the tests for all the teachers. That's why I often stayed after school to run the tests when nobody else was around that were going to be taking place the next day for certain teachers so nobody else would see the test. The only ones I didn't run were mine. My classes were tests were taking place. Then one of the secretaries ran those. And I guess they didn't want me to cheat. I don't know. <laughs> one of the things I had to do for him was to go in and to read. After school, we would sit down and I would read the test to him. And then he would answer and I would write them out. And he said, you know, this would be a lot simpler if I could just do this myself. And I said, well, how can you read this? And he says, well, I can't read this, but I can read Braille. If they would just get this into Braille, I could do it. Well, yeah, right. Nobody knows how to do Braille in the school. And so guess who was the one who got volunteered? <laughs> and so he brought his Brailler from home, and he taught me how to type on the Brailler. And so I started typing all of his tests for him in Braille so that he could then read it and type it out in Braille. Then I would read the Braille and write it out. That got complicated. So then what he would do is at the end of the exam, at the end of the day, he would go into one of the classes and read the answers to the teacher and rather than me having to write it all out, which was a lot simpler. So... In all of this, I learned about having to hold a focus because the letter A, the way we write it, doesn't look like the letter A when you type it. There's three keys you hold down, and then you have the letter A. The letter R is two keys. The letter S is three keys, but three other keys. There's only, I think, eight keys all together on a brailler. I think it was eight. Yeah, eight. And then you just push certain keys down to get the letter that you want. So I had to learn how to focus and hold my intention, if you will, on getting the letters right. And it was so funny because sometimes I would get distracted and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and one time I started writing out what I was thinking rather than writing out what I was supposed to be writing as an exam. So he said he was sitting in science class and he was reading the exam and typing out the answers as everybody else was writing. And he came to this one part, and all of a sudden it was just like rambling on about all this stuff. You know, and it wasn't a question, and it wasn't science, and he was going, what was Jim thinking? What was he reading, you know? And so he couldn't take the test the rest of the way because it was like he didn't know what to do with all my rambling. So I learned I had to really pay attention and focus on what I was doing with that. 
And so there again, I learned simplicity. I learned just to hold a focus and to pay attention. And that is a key in meditation, is pay attention. Pay attention to what is taking place inside. Stay awake, stay alert, stay attentive, be aware. And a lot of times people go passive in their meditation. They just kind of sit back and they wait for something to happen. They don't stay awake and attentive and aware of what is happening. And sometimes what is happening is nothingness. Sometimes what is happening is so simple, so quiet, so subtle, that if you don't pay attention, if you aren't aware, you're going to miss it. So it is pay attention, be aware, be focused, and have intention in a focused way. And then you can begin to open up into the truth of meditation, the experience of meditation. So what if you don't do all of that? What if maybe you set an intention in the beginning and you hold that intention for three minutes and then all these other things kick in and start distracting you? And off you go in all these other journeys. Well, your soul has set an intention to get to God first. Now, all these other levels of yourself, the unconscious, the mind, the emotions, the creative imagination, the the physical consciousness, it doesn't have an intention to get to God because they can't go to God. They really can't merge into God. They can't know God. They can't experience God the way the soul can because they didn't come from the creation of God being, spirit being. They came from the physical realm. So it is the soul that is really setting the intention. And even if there is distraction at all these other levels while you're meditating, if you set an intention in the beginning to have experience with God, to love God, to be in loving with God, and to receive God's loving, the soul still experiences that intention. The soul is experiencing it even if you at this level are not aware of it. And that is something to pay attention to. And that's why we ask you to journal before meditation and after meditation. Before meditation, you journal and you set your intention. And it's a simple statement. My intention is God. My intention is being in the loving with God and receiving God's love. Whatever that might be, but it's always God. My intention is God. And then you sit down, you meditate, you hold your focus on that intention, and then you go off on whatever that is, and you come back and you go, wow, nothing happened. I was kind of off in the world, and this happened and that happened. It was my mind, it was my emotions. I don't think I had a spiritual experience. And so what we ask you to do is in your journaling, even if this nothing seems to have happened, write down in your journal something. Write down something. Write down, well, my mind was active today, or my emotions kicked up, or, or whatever. Write down what the experience was, what took place. And what you'll find is that as you're writing, as you begin to move into this new routine of doing that, the soul is also going to slip in and go, well, yeah, but there was also this. And all of a sudden you're going to be aware of these spiritual experiences you may never have been aware of if you hadn't given time and space for the spirit of you, the soul of you, to share with you what it also experienced while you at this level were distracted and caught up in other things. 
and had other gods first. The soul said, yeah, but I had God first. And this is what I experienced. Now, you may find that even when you sit down and journal and you go, well, this happened and that happened, but it doesn't seem to really be spiritually a focused event, you may find later on in the day that all of a sudden something just slips in, an awareness. Oh, my God, that's right. All these other things happened. I ask you then to write it down. Make a note of it in some form so that when you get home, you can journal about that event, that experience. And keep those alive in your life, in your awareness. And the more you do this, the more you begin to wake up to your soul event, to the soul experience of your meditation each day. The more you begin to allow that part of your consciousness to come into these lower levels and be known. Now, it's interesting. The mind is the highest level of knowledge and experience that we have at the physical level. And the mind can comprehend and understand and put together all the things from the level of mind down. But from the level of mind up, it doesn't understand. It can't comprehend. The first level above the mind is the unconscious. Well, there's nothing there for the mind to know or do. So that's easy. The mind just goes, nothing. Nothing's there. Nothing's happening. Isn't that simple to know? I have all the knowledge of nothing. <laughs> but then beyond that, when you get into the realms of soul and spirit, the mind can't understand, can't comprehend those experiences because it's beyond the mind. It's beyond its experience. The mind cannot go into soul. The mind cannot go into spirit. But the mind can go into the emotion. The mind can go into the creative imagination and into the physical experience and experience and understand and put together those experiences into an understanding format. And so one thing that you'll experience, if you haven't already done so, is the mind trying to make sense of all these things. All of a sudden you bring back an experience and it's a wonderful experience, but it makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. The mind goes, okay, well, we've got to make sense of this. It's got to have a meaning. What's the meaning here? You know, it's got to relate to my life somehow. What is it trying to tell me? Nothing. It's just saying, this is what we experienced. And just write down the experience. Don't try to make sense of it. But as you begin to allow yourself to do that, it begins to unfold. It's like a book unfolding before you of spiritual experience. Page by page it begins to unfold. Or it might be like a scroll and all of a sudden you're just unscrolling it and opening it up to more and more experience and knowing at that level of soul. But if you get caught up in the mind and you're ever tearing the experience apart trying to figure it out, guess what? You're going to tear it apart and it's going to lose its energy, it's going to lose its source, and you're going to lose whatever that experience was about because you've just dispersed the energy back into the nothingness of this world rather than keeping it in the wholeness that is in spirit. So journeying is a very important action in the process of the spiritual journey. And I know it sounds like one more thing you have to do. Well, you don't have to do it. But we invite you to do it. And those people that have heard this over and over and over and finally said, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what it's like. 
they're sharing back with us how journaling is serving them, how it is really assisting them in having memory of their spiritual journey and giving them their own journal, their own document of their spiritual journey. And it's wonderful when you get into the dry phases of your meditation, and you will. I can guarantee it. There's a guarantee. If there's no guarantee other than taxes, death, and a dry spell in your meditation, those are the three I can guarantee. It's nice to have that journal to go back to and reference to and go, oh, that's right. You know, this is real. I'm doing this for a purpose. Oh, that's right. Intention, intention. I forgot to set an intention. And all of a sudden, you begin to find enthusiasm once again in your meditation because you are looking back and you're remembering and you're bringing back the knowing of why you're doing this. And you're also setting your intention once again. I know when I don't set my intention before my meditation, I do all this other. I get caught up in all the other gods before the Lord. But if I set an intention on God first, then I always have a reference point. Oh, that's right, I'm sitting here for God. I'm going after God. Just like this gentleman who was blind, his goal, his purpose was to get to the next classroom. That's all he knew in that moment as he was walking down those halls. Well, I'm walking down the inner hall. If I'm not careful, I'm going to get distracted by something and I'm going to forget, now what class am I going to go to? Well, what was that? What's the next period? Where is that room? I watched him experience that a few times when all of a sudden he would get distracted and he would lose sight. And then he'd open up his notebook and he'd go down his list of classes until he found, he'd go, oh, that's right, I was with Mrs. Grossman last time, so this, the next class is this one. And that's how he found where he was supposed to go and then he'd have to figure out, though, where am I right now in this building? I don't know. And then sometimes he would have to Say, can somebody show me how to get to this class or to this classroom number? And somebody would then take him there because he had gotten distracted and didn't know where he was anymore. Well, that's what happens in our inner journey. We get distracted and then, where was I going? Where am I right now? Oh, how do I get there? I have no idea. So, as I sat here today and was looking in my meditation through all this, I realized what he taught me. He taught me so much. I mean, I don't think I taught him very much. I think he taught me a lot. You know how they say, the blind man leading the blind? Well, I really think that there was a blind man leading this blind man. I learned a lot about how to make my way through life, how to make my way through my meditation to get where I wanted to go by watching a man make his way through the world to get where he wanted to go. And so... In your meditation, hold the simplicity. Keep it simple. Have God first. And have no other gods before that Lord God of all creation. And when you get distracted by all those other Lord gods who call out to you, and they will, let it be okay and just bring your intention back to itself, which is the Lord God first. God first, God first, God first and move in that direction. So those are the two words, simple and journaling, that came up for me during the week and then in my meditation tonight.
If you're not already physically comfortable, just go ahead and move your body into more of a relaxed and receptive position, simply so that it doesn't distract you from that inner focus. And as we go within now, if you choose, you can go ahead and close your eyes, or if you wish to keep them open, that's fine. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to focus into that spiritualized center, that place that resides in the middle of the head, above the eyebrows. And so actually, why don't you just go ahead right now and begin to simply allow your attention to gather in the spiritualized center, the seat of the soul. This is simply a natural practice of allowing the energy of the soul that is in the body to return back to its very source as it resides at that doorway from which it comes and goes into this physical universe. So as you just continue to relax, allowing the day just to drop away, allowing the rhythm of your breath to just carry you deeper and deeper into the state of beingness. Continuing to allow the soul energy to gather at the third eye, the spiritual door. Now you focus more and more, the single pointed focus, that thy eye be single and thy body shall be filled with light. So just now, Open and receive of God's light as it comes forward at this time. And as we do this, we'll just offer an invitation, inviting spirit to be present with us here and now. So as I call in the light, just continue to allow that inner door to open, allowing God's light and sound to fill your body and all levels of your consciousness on every realm. So, Lord God, just now as we do open the door to allow your loving light in and through us, we do ask that your blessings and your grace act according to your will to assist us in coming into that divine knowing of your divine presence as it is within us and all around us. We open our spiritual hearts, asking to receive of the joy and the upliftment of the blessings as they unfold just now, always continuing to place you first, opening, asking, knocking, and stepping forward, that as the door is open, we step forward into your light and sound, experiencing the blessings, doing our part as you do yours. And for this eternal grace and path before us, we do give our heartfelt grace and gratitude as we now enter within to experience the inner kingdom. And so it is. And so we're going to go ahead and chant the Anahu out loud. Just go ahead and take in a deep breath, and on the exhale, we'll go ahead and begin. Anna uh, 
Just continuing the chanting inwardly, allowing the sound of the anahu to resonate in you and through you, bringing all levels within into alignment with this frequency of love. So just now continue the chanting as you continue to focus inwardly and upwards into the realms of spirits through the spiritualized center. And as you continue chanting, just now before you, see a spiritual path, whether it appears as sound or as light, or simply a trail, or a sidewalk or a street, however that appears, see this path of spirit leading into the inner kingdom. So just now allow this to become clear within your inner sight, your inner hearing, your inner knowing and feeling so that this path lies straight and clear. And as you see the straight path before you, just now step through that door onto this path, beginning the journey into the realms of spirit, continuing chanting, allowing that sound of God to lift you and to direct you and guide you along this path, lighting the way through that frequency of loving. Just now, as you enter on the path and as you are now walking, look up and look ahead and notice that towards the very end of this path in the far distance is a brilliant light. So just know that this brilliant light is your destination in your journey, your journey of experience to experience the inner kingdom. So now continue chanting and walking this inner spiritual path towards this brilliant light, continuing to observe and listen, chanting and receiving God's loving just following this light and sound on this inner journey.
And so now find yourself coming up to that brilliant light and entering in if you've not already entered. So now step forward and into this brilliant light of God. And as you step within, simply open and allow yourself to experience the oneness, the purity, and the grace. So just now begin to step forward, merging into and experiencing this divine light and sound as it exists within the realms of spirit, allowing your soul to merge and become one with that greater light of God. So step forward and experience in full awareness and full consciousness this purity and this grace as it is present here and now.
and in this state of awakening to the divine and being the loving. Just when you're ready, opening your physical eyes, being that inner radiance of the divine. <laughs>